We want to get someone on our team that we want here in 20 years, right? And that means, what does that mean? That basically means like, you know, treating them with a tremendous amount of respect, literally like they're a part of the business. And if that means like paying them much more than the market, any of these things, it's well worth it. Again, that's our goal. This is the Passive Wealth Strategy Show, the show that will help you escape the Wall Street casino and build wealth on Main Street by investing in real estate. I'm your host, Taylor Lote, and today our guest is Craig Napoliello. Craig is a returning guest to the show. He is a successful real estate investor who has built a portfolio of over 600 rental units, and he's a busy professional with a W-2 job. And today we're digging into a few topics with him. We're going to dig into a few of the mistakes that he made along the way as he built his real estate portfolio. And then we also discuss how he balances his real estate commitments with his W-2 and family commitments. He has so much going on in life. The big question that we all come across is how can we get these things done in the 24 hours that we have in a day? So we're digging into that topic as well with Craig. Successful real estate investor, successful W-2 employee, and now balancing both of those things, getting them done and taking care of the tax advantages that he gets as a real estate investor with W-2 employment. We dig into that as well, how he's taking advantage of the tax advantages of real estate investing along with real estate professional status. We dig into their specific situation there. Once again, I'm your host, Taylor Lote. I'm a real estate investor. And to date, I've acquired, invested in, partnered on, or otherwise had a hand in over $150 million of commercial real estate investments. If you'd like to learn more about potentially investing with us on a future deal, just go to investwithtaylor.com, fill out the form and schedule a call, and we will look forward to speaking with you soon. If you're an Apple Podcast user and you enjoy the show, please take a moment and leave us a rating interview on Apple Podcasts. Five stars if you don't mind, you guys. I appreciate that so, so much. That helps other people learn about the show because that helps us rank higher in the Apple Podcast ecosystem. And I'm always honest with you guys. That gives me a nice little warm and fuzzy feeling because I get to see that you're engaging with the content and you're escaping the Wall Street Casino along with us. Don't forget to subscribe and catch us here every Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday. Right now, once again, our guest is Craig Napoliello. We're digging into how he built his real estate portfolio as a busy professional living in the New York City area and investing in North Carolina. Fantastic stuff. Without any further ado, here we go. Craig, thank you so much for joining us today and coming back on the show. For our listeners out there who don't know about you and your background, can you tell us about what you do in real estate and how you balance that with your professional life? Sure. Thanks so much for having me back. So about 18 months ago, I established a you know, sort of a real estate holding company and property management company that is vast majority mobile home parks and, and some apartment buildings. And so that's, when I say, a very active thing. We're you know, vertically integrated. Again, as you mentioned, I have a full-time W-2 job. I have a, I have a partner who full-time runs that business. And again, we built out a team Vertically integrated, we do you know everything ourselves, which is is a very active and and challenging undertaking. But you know we're we're thrilled now that we have a great team in place there. We're thrilled to to have that. So that's sort of the active side of the business. We have over six hundred units now. Again, vast majority mobile home park pads and then some apartments. Also have a, a short term rental business. So we in two thousand twenty two we acquired 
19 units in North Carolina as well. So all these assets are in North Carolina. And then, you know, away from that, I basically invested with some, I've been fortunate enough to yeah, befriend and, and get to know some great operators. So I've also invested with some other, you know, in JVs and as LP and, and whatnot and other deals. I have a WG job, as you mentioned, that I, you know, like very much and has enabled me to, you know, sort of aggressively invest in, in real estate, which I'm just a huge believer in long-term. And, you know, balancing it is, 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 is challenging. Definitely at, at times, especially like when you, especially, you know, the parts of like, you know, investing in, you know, say with other operators that I believe in that have their own teams, like that part's easy. But the part where we were trying to build out an active and more active you know, business of our own, yeah, of course, there's moments of that that are, you know, sort of more intense and more stressful and things that need to be addressed quickly. I mean, again, the best part of that, the best thing I did is that I have a, a partner that does that full time that I completely trust and is, you know, we talk all the time, but I know that he's, you know, got everything, you know, sort of handled and, and we think very much alike, you know, built a very, very, you know, strong bond through all the, you know, all the ups and downs of adversity and all the things that come along with any real estate business. So that's been also a very rewarding thing and something that's, that's, that's helped sort of me develop as an operator and owner and is, 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 you know, made that process, which again, can be challenging, you know, exciting and, and enjoyable and rewarding. Fantastic. Awesome. And Along the way, building a real estate portfolio, for all of us, there are stumbling blocks. We make mistakes through our process and building our portfolios, making investments, all that type of a thing. And today, I'd love to dig into some of the mistakes that you made along the way. It's just a reality. We all make mistakes. I have as well, and I try to be open about those. And let's dive into yeah. some of the mistakes that uh, you've made. Yeah. So there's, I mean, there's, there's not enough time on the show, but, but there's some, some major <laughs> ones that, that sort of that stand out to me is, you know, from a financial perspective, right. Is that I, I would say that I have a, you know, it's maybe say an above average understanding of, of, you know, of, of finance and, you know, financials and sort of the way things work from a dollars and cents perspective. That being said, is I made a, a, a whole slew of mistakes on that front. Like, what do I mean by that? I, you know, our group, like we acquire pretty much all mom and pop run businesses. And we're all sort of, you know, I'm sure most real estate folks are familiar with that term. And that often comes with, you know, books that are not well kept and sloppy and bad tenant information and like just, just a, a whole variety of issues with the information that you're acquiring, which is completely fine. I have, I think some people sort of get paralyzed by that and like, you know, basically pull away from deals and things because, oh, we don't have the, we don't, we don't know like what the collection rate was six months ago and things like that. So I, you know, I'm not a believer in, let's say of, 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 I'm glad, I'm glad that I didn't let it paralyze me to the point where I did not do the deals. However, what I made a mistake of doing was, is that day, I should have made it a priority day one to clear up the financials and I didn't do that. So what happens then it basically like, and then it's like an albatross that basically plagued me for months and months and months and months. And then on top of that, what, com what compounded the problem was that I did not properly invest in the expertise to get me on the right side of things, right? So I'm basically now inheriting bad books, bad numbers, bad sort of everything on the financial front. And instead of nipping it in the bud and investing upfront to get, to get ourselves on the right side of things, I have been through multiple bookkeepers. You know, I mean, a little, you know, spent probably tens of thousands of dollars, you know, trying to clean up, you know, again, we're talking about, you know, hundreds of hundreds of units you know, trying to clean things up, find the right personnel, all that type of stuff. 
So again, so to, to put a bow on that is that, you know, again, from a, from a financial perspective to, to invest upfront and take things seriously day one and make a priority to understand every single penny, the ins and outs, set your KPIs, all the important ratios, all those type of things upfront. So you really understand at the beginning where all the money's going, where it's coming from. So you're not playing catch up forever. And again, that's been, that's, that, that for me personally has been the biggest stress in, you know, sort of launching this real estate business and building this real estate business. That to me has been the biggest stressor. Another huge one is, is personnel. And, you know, what are your standards for your partners in the business? I mean, that's, that's how I really view it. Every single person in your organization, you know, is a partner. Like, why do I call them partners? Because like you are relying on them and vice versa. And, and by the way, if, if you're not delivering what you need to be delivering, if they're not delivering what they need to be delivering, it's just super stressful, right? Super stressful to be relying on someone to do something for you and have them fall down on you. So again, like my sort of 2023 version versus my 2021 version of myself is that my standards for the people on the team are, you know, like you know, pretty much we want everyone, you know, should be a nine, a nine or a 10. And that may sound like Pollyannish. Many people think like, oh, real estate or property management, that's like unattainable. I can, I can assure you that it is. And, you know, yes, you may, which we have, you may need to kiss a few frogs before you find a new prince. But I mean, like it, it, when I say it exists, you know, again, we've had people on the team that have been, you know, mediocre. And listen, even someone who's like average is, again, that is almost more stressful because by the way, there, there's, there, there's glimpses of like hope in them that they're going to be de- you know, delivering for you. But the reality of it is, and it's not, I, I've lied to myself so many times, right? Because you basically don't want to go through the pain of firing someone, starting anew, trading them, investing in them, believing in them, and going this whole sort of a emotional roller coaster. So, you know, I've kept on people that were, you know, say mediocre, you know, average, slightly above average. And, you know, like sort of my, my new standards are, you know, we will, we'll do whatever we need to do to get people that are, you know, sort of nines and tens. And we have, we have, you know, we have a team now of folks with a variety of different backgrounds that are, that are devoted to the cause and are like, you know, act like stakeholders in the business. And that is such a huge difference. And it's not even like, to be honest, it's not even like a, it's not even like a, a cost thing of like, oh yeah, we went and hired like a bunch of like, you know, Wharton MBAs. You know, it's it's a mindset thing, right? It's like, you know, what is like that person, you know, how seriously do they take their responsibilities? How do they communicate? Like these are all those skills that are required to be a great teammate. Those aren't like higher education is not required for those things. Really nothing else is required for those things. Like all these, and that, that that's one of the beauties of real estate, right? This is a, it's a simple game that like, you know, that I will say for myself, you know, overcomplicate, right? You just basically... You need people that, you know, communicate well, that follow through what they say, right? If you have a team of folks like that, you can you know, make magic and it shouldn't be stressful. Okay. So I would okay. say of all the, the, the millions of things that I, that I've done, and a lot of those are, are, a lot of them are specific to mobile home parks. Those are my two biggest things. Okay. So the first one, cleaning up the financials, you mentioned that you would have in hindsight, maybe invested more in getting those cleaned up earlier on, kind of right away, taking care of those things. Can we can, can we kind of button down what cleaning up the financials, quote unquote, really means? You mentioned hiring bookkeepers. Yeah. Is that what it is? Is it getting, you know, QuickBooks yeah. implemented right away? What does that mean? 
Yeah. So basically, so again, I'm a huge believer. Like there's a, there's a book who not how is, is a book that I'm not sure promote that book, but I, I absolutely love it. We talk about it all the time, but you know, like, so I'm like, you know, if you want your finances buttoned up, you know, who's going to do that for you? The reality is like, I'm not an accountant. I'm not a bookkeeper. My wife actually at the beginning, because these were such a mess, my wife, who's, who's run a business before she stepped in and was helping us with our financials because, you know, they were basically in, in such, you know, disrepair. And this was, you know, this is really like our, you know, our family's commitment to real estate. And, and she's a team player. Literally like, you know, jumped in, was like, and, and was helping with all the, you know, the bookkeeping, the financials. But the real, the reality it is like, it is, as smart as my wife is, and, and, and even with her efforts, like, again, she's not an accountant, right? It, it, you know, like, you know, like there's like, this is like one of these things. And I did the same thing. Like on the flip side, I hired a lawyer at the very beginning that was an expert in mobile home parks. His name is Ferd Neiman. He's the man. Let me tell you something. He saved me so much. I, I have no idea like, even like necessarily what it costs to relevant because by the way, he got me squared away. He got me on the right path. You know, he saved me, I'm sure, absolutely tons of money because, you know, why is that? Because, you know, he's excellent at what he does. I believed in him. I, you know, when I invested, I paid whatever cost for fur. And I mean, like, you know, it was worth, you know, probably double to me because like that got me on the path. On the finance side of things, in hindsight, I would have hired a, a bookkeeper that had excellent experience in real estate. And I would have interviewed them more thoroughly to make sure that day one, or even prior to day one, ahead of us closing our first portfolio, that we had that we had a partner in the business, when I say a partner, like you know, a, a, you know, a, a teammate that was an expertise in, you know, real estate bookkeeping that could help guide us versus us like, you know, flailing around trying to figure things out on, you know, like with, with, with personnel and nothing against them. But you know, personnel that was was not equipped to handle the burden of the finance that we had. Okay, okay, and that kind of goes along with the second point of who, not how, and and it sounds like maybe holding partners and employees to a higher standard as the second point, as the second mistake that you made. Am I getting that right? Yeah. The, 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 the second thing is again, which you know, sort of weaves in very well with this sort of like who not how things to basically like, you know, you'll go as far as, as the, as the, the collective team will take you. Right. So being accepting of lower standards is just not going to get you very far. Right. So it's like, so even if it's more work, you know, striving to make sure that you're getting the best people on the team. Right. And like, you know, and again, and by the way, investing in them, even if you have to basically pay them much more than the market, like pretty much at this point now, when we are looking for someone on the team, like at the beginning, we were, again, sort of like just trying to keep our head afloat and we were just sort of like operating with, you know, what we had on hand, right? Which was a mistake. Again, what I, what I, the way I think now is instead of acting that way is that basically is that we want someone, we want to get someone on our team that we want here in 20 years, right? And that means, what does that mean? That basically means like, you know, treating them with a tremendous amount of respect, literally they're a part of the business. And if that means like, you know, paying them much more than the market, any of these things, it's well worth it. Again, that's our goal. Our goal is to find nines and tens and have them stay over 20 years. Okay, great. That makes a ton of sense. And it, it can be tough to come to that realization because you think, and at least in the beginning, you can think more about the expense or the cost than the value, but we want to really focus on the value and the long-term sustainability of our businesses and the growth of our businesses. So 
you have this W-2, you're building this real estate portfolio. I think a lot of folks struggle with balancing those two things and, and not slacking off in the W-2 and letting things slide by, but also getting things done, making sure you're putting one foot in front of the other with your real estate. How have you balanced those two significant responsibilities? Yeah. So, so I, you know, this is like a, at this point it's probably, it's, it's probably pretty cliche, but like, you know, I, I am, first of all, I, I love real estate. So this is, it doesn't feel like a chore to me when I do this and again, I don't do it. I have, you know, I have a full-time job. So I'm doing this stuff early in the mornings at nights on the, on the weekends. You know, I have a, I have a wife who is, is completely bought into this, you know, sort of mission we're on as a family, right? I mean, this is, you know, our money that we're, have we invested in real estate? Um, I'm, you know, I'm putting, you know, and when I think about also what's rewarding and fulfilling for me, you know, like when I was, you know, at some point, you know, 10 years ago, yeah, I'm sure that, you know, I watched, you know, tons of football, let's say. And, you know, it's not, it's not that I don't like football now, but I'm certainly not going to sit there. I mean, I have a wife and a one-year-old child, you know, so basically like, so, so that time is, I allocate my time differently. That's basically it. And the thing is like, I, I can already see developing now. But I, um, I'm already seeing the sort of the, the fruits of our collective labor. Like, you know, this is like a, this is like a large enough thing for us that it's like, you know, this required the commitment of me and my, and my wife, right. Buying into this, you know, sort of, you know, vision again, on, on Monday nights, I'm on, you know, I'm on a zoom call or, you know, talking to our, you know, a bookkeeper accountant from basically seven to, you know, nine thirty PM, you know, but I mean, it's, it's, it's doing that. And again, my, my wife completely understanding that being toy bought into it, you know, helping out in all sort of different areas. It's, you know, that's, that's it. That's an easy thing versus like, yeah, from seven to nine thirty, I could be watching you know, Netflix and I'm just doing less of that and more of the things that I know long-term are going to pay dividends for our family. Did that, was that a deliberate move or did you have to come to that realization over time? And, and by that, I mean, did you get started? Hey, I want to invest in real estate, but ultimately realize that I haven't been investing enough time in this to make progress or did when you're when you started investing in real estate, did you realize, hey, I have to put these things like Netflix aside and focus this time on the real estate business? How did you come up and, and make that effort? Yeah, allocation? I mean, th th this all became like super clear to me during COVID. So like my, my you know, my wife and I were quarantined as pre-child. So it's the two of us together and, you know, we're you know basically not seeing anyone. So all of a sudden my super busy, like social life and whatnot, you know, basically just come, you know, comes to a screeching halt. And work in the house together, and you know, I basically at that point that was a huge sort of like that was a huge yeah, fork in the road for me. It's like all of a sudden now I have a ton of time in my hands, with a ton more time in my hands, so I can use this like to you know I, I can sit and watch TV or whatever. Yeah, you know, I can do you know basically whatever I want. And I chose, I actively chose like I'm gonna use my time like in, in a super positive way. I started like running. I you know I started getting I started going super deep into real estate. So you know it, it doesn't take you know. It's like one of these things, like, you know, if you, if you are, if you are wanting to be decisive and like, you know, and then take action behind that, which I did, I mean, that was, you know, that was, that was, you know, two and a half years ago that I sort of started doing this, you know, and we made, you know, our families made dramatic changes in two and a half years. I mean, two and a half years is not a lot of time, but it was like, it was a matter of like, you know, these type of things that like I could have, you know, at the, during that time, if I said, I'm going to sit around and watch TV, that none of this would have, you know, none of this would have happened. Instead, I was basically like, I'm going to learn about mobile home parks. That's kind of what I did. I'm going to, I'm going to dive super deep into mobile home parks 
And knowing that I, there was a couple of characteristics that, that, that stood out to me as things that I was interested in. I learned about this whole thing about being a real estate professional, cost segregation. I, my wife, you know, I told my wife about them. She got on board. So, you know, again, it doesn't take, you know, on top of that, like people think like, I mean, in, in two hours of focused time, you know, Monday night, seven to 9 p.m. I mean, I get, I, I do a ton of stuff, you know, in, in that period of time. You know, if you're willing to sort of set aside, you know, you don't need 40 hours a week, you know, to basically to move the ball forward. Yeah. So I, I think, I think that's a, a, you know, big deal. If like people are willing to like set aside, you know, two hours, people spend two hours doing all sorts of stuff. You know I mean? Like, so you set aside two hours and say, I'm going to learn about, you know, whatever, you know, self-storage, multifamily, mobile home parks, whatever it is, you know, you'd be surprised what, what can be, what can be, you know, done there. And so I just, that experience for me, now, of course, now we get back out into the, into the wild, you know, post sort of COVID and back to work and, you know, other things are sort of pulling on me now on my, on my time. And I just, I, I see like sort of the, the, the difference it's made being this intentional about my time. So yeah, of course, listen, do I do more social things now than in COVID? Yes. Do I, do I, do I, is my time, you know, is it more challenging to allocate my time to productive activities like learning about, you know, mobile home parks and new, a- new asset class and whatnot? Yes, that's, that's the case. But it's like, I've, I've felt what it's like to sort of, to see the progress and feel the progress. I'm just not willing to give that up. So as I understand it, you made something of a pivot in your real estate investing strategy and in that you'd started with multifamily and then ultimately pivoted into mobile home park investing. And a lot of us in real, as real estate investors get tempted to pivot at one point or another throughout our journeys. And for a lot of us, that looks a lot more like shiny object syndrome, where we're bouncing between idea to idea to idea to new strategy to new strategy. And we're not really dedicating ourselves quite enough to each one of them to actually have the chance to make any progress. And I'd like to dig into your decision to make a pivot, what drove that, how you were comfortable in making that asset class pivot and everything around that, the decision-making process to pivot. Yeah. So there was basically, by the way, not that I don't believe in like apartments. I mean, we own 75 apartments, you know, still. I I liked the, the you know, mobile home parks and mobile homes, especially when it's 10 owned homes are like you know, pretty much the stickiest revenue in real estate. You know, when you, when you're just like renting the basically the, the, the lead underneath it. So that to me, that really sort of spoke to me. And as far as, you know, especially when I think about the long-term vision of what I'm, you know, building, hope we like is the, is the, is, is the sort of the backstop for my family and they're in, in the cash flows there. I, I love that characteristic. You know, also it's a huge piece of this is, you know, for, for any folks with W2s, is it like, you know, my, you know, I have a, you know, I have a W2 income and from a tax perspective, I taught, you know, I learned about this real estate, you know, professional classification. I learned about cost segregation, mobile home parks with all, you know, with, with all 10 owned homes, that's as good as it gets. So like, so, so, so learning how that fit into this, yeah, this, this sort of elevated tax you know, scheme or tax plan for our family was also a big part of it. And that's been a huge thing for, you know, our family, like learning about that, buying into that against, yes, really, you know, credit to my wife. Cause by the way, like, you know, she, like she made, she really changed things in her career to make it available for her to become a real estate professional, which allowed us to unlock all these losses. I mean, just to give people on that, you know, they're listening an idea, the difference. Yeah, you know, if you buy a if you buy a one million dollar, 
you know, apartment building and just to use round numbers, you're going to basically, you know, 10 to 15% is going to be for land. So now you have, let's say, eight fifty nine thousand dollars of you know, depreciable you know, asset. You're going to basically be able to write off a bonus depreciation the first year, let's say 22% of that, 20 to 25% of that. On a mobile home park, if you buy a mobile home park for $1 million with only 10 owned homes, it means that me as the buyer doesn't own any of the homes. I just own the infrastructure and the land. If I buy a mobile home park for $1 million, what I've been doing is it's it, we allocate 10% to the land. It's $900,000. We then, the $900,000, we get to use all of $900,000 year one for, for bonus appreciation. So we're talking about absolutely dramatic, you know, 100% versus let's say 22% is the difference in bonus depreciation for an apartment and, you know, versus a mobile home park. So yeah, that's, that was a, you know, a huge, when I say a huge motivator, I mean, that's, you know, like in addition to like all, all the, I have very, very strong beliefs in, in the mobile home park industry and, you know, that being sort of the bottom of the period, the bottom of the pyramid housing wise. But then when you throw in the fact that it has the absolute best tax incentives when you're doing, when you're a real estate professional and you use bonus depreciation, that was sort of the icing on the cake. So to flesh that out a little bit more, depreciation being paper losses and your wife now being a real estate professional, you're filing taxes together, you can write that paper loss against her income and your W-2 income and right. being that W-2 income just happens to be pretty much kind of the worst, the highest tax percentage that you that's can right. pay in any situation. That's right. That's, exa that's, exa that's exactly right. That's exactly right, and, and and this is for you know for for, for folks that that that, that have the the opportunity to, to take advantage of this, you know, yeah, this is like you know, you're getting back a check from the IRS that like, yeah, this is that this could really you know accelerate your your real estate investment journey, right? If you're getting a, a tax, but you know, a, a, a check back from the IRS for you know where twenty grand, fifty grand, a hundred grand, like you know, depending on what your the W two income is, right? All of a sudden now that gives you dry power to put towards real estate deals. So yeah, that's what my wife and I have done. Like we've committed to doing this and, you know, we're not, you know, buying, you know, we're not buying, you know, new cars. We're bought, we're like basically like figuring out how can we continue to, you know, how can we use this as additional fuel to drive our real estate journey? Absolutely. I love it. Using the detailed tax yeah. strategy that you don't learn about until you get into the real estate investing sphere. I love it. Right now, we're going to take a quick break for our sponsor. The first step to growing your wealth is tracking your wealth, income, spending, and everything else about your finances. You can start tracking your wealth for free and get six free months of wealth advisory with personal capital by going to escapingwallstreet.com and using our link. Create your free account today and automate the way you track your money. Personal capital is my preferred way to track my finances, and now we're making that available for listeners. Terms and conditions apply. See the personal capital website for details. Once again, to get the offer, go to escapingwallstreet.com and use our link. Back to the show. All right, Craig, I've got three questions I ask every guest on the show. Are you ready? Yes. Awesome. And you've already answered our original three questions because you've appeared on the show before. So I've got three new ones for our returning guests. First one, what is your favorite book, whether it's a business book or something that you like to read for personal enjoyment? Yeah. So basically, so, so all the, all the ones that you, you hear probably all the time 
I love all those. Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and the, uh, his whole, the, the whole list of favorite real estate ones. So uh, a couple I want to bring up are, you know, because so many, so many of these, so many real estate companies, right? Whether it's, whether it's a, an investment group or a property management company or whatever it may be, is, is generally small teams. So there's a book that I read this year. It's called Small Giants. And I, what I love about the book is, so what it talks about is, it talks about, it studies, I want to say nine different small companies. Now, you know, small has varied definitions, but like it's basically talks about companies that decide to, they very intentionally wanted to stay small and intimate versus like, yeah, these are, these are companies that were very high performers, but instead of like, you know, say focusing on growth, which many people do, they, they very intentionally decided to keep their culture. And again, these are, these are extremely successful companies. But there are a lot of very interesting characteristics that they talk about in that book. One of them being like intimacy and what that means to a team and how that how that creates like how that can can create sort of like outsized returns for a you know for a team or sort of per capita. And so that book I thought was excellent because again, most of us most of us on this call that are involved in real estate are involved in some small team, right? So like the, I, I thought it was a, a you know excellent insights in how you can sort of apply the efforts of that small team and have it be super fulfilling. So Small Giants, at the moment, I'm forgetting the name of the um, the author. And then all the basic books, I've been on a tear. All the Benjamin Hardy books, I, I absolutely love. Dr. Benjamin Hardy, he's, he's that, yeah, he, he's involved in Who Not How, like really right in front of me, how he's a permanent, your future self is one. There's basically all the Benjamin Hardy books, I'm just a huge fan, and I, which I've found helpful reading all of them. Is it like you know he has he has a lot of themes that are sort of present throughout all of them, and at least for me as a, a reader and learner, I need to read things sort of multiple times to have it really sink in. So again, re- I've gotten I've gotten a lot out of his messages by reading all of his books, sort of in in, in you know in order. Great, great, I love that. So we had your favorite book. You gave us a few examples. I certainly appreciate that. Now we go to number two. What is a tool, a strategy, a piece of software, technology, whatever, a system, something in your business that you just cannot possibly live without a key linchpin to the operations and success of your real estate business? Yeah. So one thing I would say that we've introduced over the past six months and that I had sort of a mental block, we spoke about this previously, Taylor, is, is, is remote workers. And so now we've incorporated remote workers in our business. I had this mental block around, uh, I'm not even sure where it came from, but now, but it's something, one of my friends in real, it's also in real estate, you know, basically said to me, yeah, these are people that just basically, that weren't, you know, they say weren't as fortunate enough to be, to be you're born in America. That, that, that's all it means. That's the only difference, mm-hmm. right? And so, so as a result, they, they may get, you know, paid differently, have like, you know, sort of different, you know, work standards, work environments. But it doesn't mean they're any sort of they're any less motivated, smart, successful, enterprising, all the all the qualities you want in somebody on your team. I, I think I think also had sort of a, a little bit of a mental block because I'm a big sort of like, you know, say relationship person and camaraderie and like you, you know, the, the interaction with the team. But yeah, the also the, the world is changing. It, it doesn't mean we have things like, you know, things like Zoom and other ways to basically connect with people and they don't have to be necessarily sitting next to you. So we have we have a few remote members of our team 
that are outstanding and just excellent contributors. And, you know, they're, I think they are, you know, I think that we've exceeded their expectations for environment, compensation, connectivity, all the things that they were looking for. They've exceeded our expectations as far as performance. So that has been a huge addition to our team, just a huge shift in mindset. So, you know, we've absolutely loved, you know, getting, you know, having people on the team in other areas. We have, we have someone in basically, we were hiring someone from Nicaragua. We have someone on the team from Mexico. We have someone on the team in the Philippines and they are just, they're, they're outstanding teammates. Totally agree with the mentality, the mindset that it's, it's important to remember that they're just people like the, the rest of us who were, like you said, not fortunate enough to be born in the United States, but they still have their own priorities, motivations, still great people. But that since they're out of the US, their costs are so much lower. The value of a dollar is much higher. And that means that we can get great team members for a much more affordable price than we could hire uh, an American. And that that helps the businesses grow. And hopefully, if you look at it with the mentality, like you said before, of somebody that's going to be with us for 20 years, then their income is going to grow along with the business totally. and everybody. Just and and that, 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 that's how we lead, like basically like, you know, just to be toy, you know, like an example, like there's a woman on our team that, that, that is starting January 3rd and she was, she came highly recommended from a woman on our team who we, who we absolutely love. And this, the, the one on our team had worked with this, the woman from Nick Rodwell previously, and she was very unhappy with the environment there. And, you know, I'm, I'm extremely confident that this is, their all work environment is professional supportive communicative. Yes, we make tons of mistakes on, on all sorts of other things, but like, you know, everyone is treated very well, very professionally. And I think, you know, everyone's very happy with the environment. And, you know, we basically are, we're, we're going to, she would have come over sort of flat the same. She would have come over just to be happier and work with the woman on our team. You know, we're paying her up almost 50% for what she was getting paid. You know, and why is that? Because, you know, because, you know, we, you know, it goes both ways, right? Yes, we, we want her to deliver for us. Like, you know, I want her, I want her to walk in and I want her first impression. And hopefully this only grows. Like, this is the, this is the, the place where I want to be for the rest of my professional existence. So, um, yeah, there's, there's a, you know, again, we, 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 Aussie, and like you mentioned, it's, it's easier to pull that off with with teammates in other countries it's true it's true and we have a, a great opportunity as employers to you know provide that for folks so that's great so on the passive wealth strategy show we're all about growing and getting to the next level, level whatever that means for us so last question here what is the one thing in your business that you need to get to that next level that next one thing that you need to do back to the financial stuff you know i i want us to be yeah, I want, you know, put on myself, like, I want to have a better understanding of every single penny in our business. There, there, you know, like things like there, there's just, I don't, I don't think that I will be as effective of an operator as I want to be until I know, until I can account for every single penny and why and where and what. Absolutely. Track where your money's going, what gets measured, gets managed. And Craig, I want to thank you for joining us today. If folks want to reach out, if they want to get in touch with you, if they want to learn more about what you're up to or anything like that, where can they track you down? Craig at 40oaks.com. So C-R-A-I-G at 40oaks.com. Awesome. Well, thank you once again for joining us today to everybody out there. Thank you for tuning in. If you're enjoying the show, 
please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Five stars if you don't mind. For our YouTube audience, don't forget to subscribe and hit the thumbs up button and catch us here in the future. I always appreciate you guys leaving positive feedback because that helps other people learn about the show. That gives me a nice little warm and fuzzy feeling because I get to see that you're engaging with the content and you're escaping the Wall Street Casino along with us. Don't forget to subscribe and catch us here every Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday. Right now, I hope you have a great rest of your day and we'll talk to you on the next one. Bye-bye. 